Hey everybody, welcome to the Daniel Day Podcast. I'm Daniel Day, your host, and I want to say Happy New Year. This is the very first episode of 2022, and man, do we have a great show lined up for you guys today. They are best-selling authors. They are uh, nationally acclaimed entrepreneurs. They are incredibly successful businessmen. They travel the nation and internationally speaking uh, to Christian leaders and leaders all over the place. Uh, they've been on all the major networks, uh, Fox News, Fox, uh, NBC, um, CNN, you name it, they've been on it, and it's been such a privilege to get to meet them and to have the opportunity to interview them. Today, we're going to be speaking with them about cancel culture and how a Christian can live out loud in these crazy times we're in. Buckle up. This is going to be a good interview. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Daniel Day Podcast, a podcast all about discipleship and leadership. I'm Daniel Day, your host. Welcome to the program. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Happy New Year. I am Daniel Day, your host, and I am joined with Jason and David Benham. Guys, welcome to the program and Happy New Year. Uh, happy New Year to you as well, Daniel. You're looking really sharp today. Hey, really it's the sharp. first time you've ever seen me, so you have nothing to compare it to. So I... Yeah. Yeah, but no, you look I, great. The background, I mean, everything works. Yeah, everything works except the hair. I overdid it. I overshot it, uh, missed it a little bit. I was I was trying to go for what you guys do, but couldn't quite pull it off. Not <laughs> quite as not quite as good looking, but hey, you know, it's all right. It's all right. You know, I just got to be myself. So, guys, thank you for joining me on the program. You are my very first interview for 2022. So honored, so excited to have you on the program as we are discussing today a subject that's very near and dear to your hearts, uh, which is how does a Christian respond to the hostile culture that we find ourselves in, be that with a business leader, a church leader, or just a person who's like, man, I, I really need to know what to do right now because things seem so out of whack, but uh, I'm, I can't wait to hear what you have to say regarding this subject. But before we go any further, I'm going to ask David just to open us up in prayer and ask God's blessing over our discussion. Absolutely. I'm glad you asked David because this one will get to heaven. Jason, sometimes <laughs> I have to help get his up into heaven. Need a full confessional first. <laughs> well, only only God really knows who's who here, guys. I mean, that's true. exactly right. You might be able to fool him. So Jason, if you can, you know, interject. He might know no he, he may not know the difference. That's true. <laughs> that's true. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you and bless you. Thank you for Daniel for this podcast and this show. May your kingdom be advanced through this. Lord, I pray that you would speak through Jason and me, through our words, through the testimony that you've given to us. And Lord, we just stand right now on behalf of your kingdom here on this earth, and we proclaim that no weapon formed against those who are watching this and listening to this will prosper that they are more than conquerors, and Lord, that the same power that raised you, Jesus, from the dead lives in them. So Lord, I pray they would walk in hope, they would walk in strength and in power, and may your name be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For those just joining us, we are with the Benham Brothers. 
They are nationally acclaimed entrepreneurs, uh, former professional athletes. They are best-selling authors. They are businessmen of great success. And even more than that, they are followers of Christ and they are using their faith to impact culture. Uh, that's a really quick bullet point introduction, but I'm going to throw it back to the Benham brothers and give them an opportunity to better introduce themselves to the audience and then lead us right into our subject matter today, guys, and how we as Christians can live successfully in this culture. Introduce yourself to our audience today. Well, I'm Jason. This is my twin sister, David. And if you're not watching and you're just listening, well, then you don't know which one's which anyway. It doesn't matter. But Jason's voice is a little deeper than David's. It's a little more manly. But my brother and I were raised in Dallas, Texas by a preacher dad. God got a hold of his life. And, uh, and my dad was, before he was a preacher, he was a drunken bum. Didn't want David and I to come into this world. He actually asked my mom to have an abortion. Of course, my mom said, absolutely not. And so we came along about a year after we were born. My dad got radically saved, and then he surrendered to be a pastor, moved our family to Dallas, Texas. And so we were raised by a pastor, but then it wasn't too long into his pastorate. I think we were probably 10 or 12 years old when my dad really felt pricked in his heart about uh, the, the, the issue of abortion and seeing moms taking their babies uh, lives uh, feeling as though they had no choice. And so dad really started to, to do some soul searching. He told my brother and I, he said, I'm going to move uh, the church office out of our home and I'm going to move it next to the busiest abortion clinic in Dallas. And so little did he know that one of the workers there was the Jane Roe in the Roe versus Wade Supreme Court case. Her name was Norma McCorvey. About two years after my dad moved his office there with the witness of my dad and several other of the employees there that he had in the pro-life uh, office that he had, excuse me, his pastoral office that was also a pro-life ministry, Norma gave her heart to Jesus. It was a great story. About two weeks after that, Norma's gay partner, uh, Connie, gave her heart to Jesus in our living room, right? Knees on the floor in our living room, gave her heart to Jesus. And so this was, how long goes up, David? About 30 years yeah. ago? About 30, 35 years ago, this all happened. And and now we're seeing in Canada how conversion therapy, what happened to Norma, is now illegal. Like, she was converted, and we as Christians are seeing that Jesus is in the conversion business. He was the first conversion therapist there was. And so our dad trained us how to be biblical thinkers and how to be bold for our faith. Because back in those days, he, he, he still had his church, and he was pro-life, but then all the vitriol of hell. I mean, he was just getting people like threatening him and all sorts of stuff, calling him anti-women and all of this. Of course, we knew nothing was further from the truth. We saw our dad get cuffed up and go to jail. We saw police officers using pressure points under his jaw and bent his thumb back. He still to this day doesn't have feeling in part of his thumb because of how far it got bent back from a police officer. So David and I, you know, when we talk about police brutality, we lived through that. We didn't experience it ourselves, but we saw our dad experience it. And yet at the same time, he also recognized the rule of law. These police officers were doing their job. And, and yet our dad was standing boldly. So we saw this from a very young age. Then we decided we were going to go to Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. We played baseball there. Out of Liberty, we both got drafted to play baseball. I was drafted by the Baltimore Orioles. David was drafted by the Red Sox. We both ended up with St. Louis. And then we played maybe three or four years and realized that if the ticket wasn't to the big leagues, 
then we just needed to go ahead and let it go. So we let the game go and what as we minor learned, leaguers. Yeah, well, what we learned, and this is David speaking, what we learned is that when God gives you something, you got to hold it with an open hand. You don't have to grip it with white-knuckled tenacity because if he wants to remove it and put something else there, he's going to have to pry your fingers back, and that always hurts. So when God gives you something, and it's something he wants you to have, and it's a good thing, he just doesn't want you to grip onto it. And, and that's what we learned in professional baseball because we had this dream. We were doing Bible studies at every level across the minor leagues that we were at. People were giving their hearts to Christ, and then we were discipling. And, and it was an amazing thing. But what Jason and I realized was, you know what? <clears throat> I was 26 at the time. I had my second son. I've got five kids now. Jason was also obviously 26 and had just gotten married. And so we decided to get out of the game and uh, we moved to the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And we just remember something that our dad would tell us when we were kids. He would say, boys, if your theology is not your biography, then your theology is worthless. Mm, wow. And so in other words, if what you think about God does not translate into your hands and your feet with how you act, then it doesn't matter what you think. And so we just said, okay, we want to take the principles of the Bible and apply it into the marketplace. And uh, after we started our first company in 2003, gosh, seven years later, by 2010, we had 100 offices across 35 states. And then we started growing other companies and building them. And, and it, just, it just took off. And it was so exciting what the Lord was doing. And at the height of our business, at the height of our success, is when a production company came to us and they said, would you guys be interested in reality TV? Now, remember, when God gives you something, you got to hold it with an open hand. We're right. like, yeah, we'll take a show, but do you know who we are? Have you done all right. the research on us? Mm -hmm. And they said, oh yeah, we know exactly who you guys are. We know who your dad is. We know we've seen the Time Magazine reports and all this other stuff, you know, when he was baptizing Miss Norma, who was Jane Rowe and all of these other things. And we said, so... This is uh, now in 2013. We said, uh, but there's a there's kind of a narrative, and this was almost eight years ago now, or nine years ago. This there was a narrative that really was marginalizing and demonizing Christian values. Now it's shifting into criminalize. It goes marginal, marginalize, demonize, and now criminalize. But we knew at this point is marginalize and demonize, and we're like, are you guys okay with this? And the production company said, yeah, the networks are going to love you guys. Well, six months later, after they put a sizzle reel together and took it to LA, five networks wanted us and TLC made us our first offer. And that was really exciting times for us. Now we're in the spring of 2000. Actually, it's the fall of 2013 and we're negotiating. And that's when HGTV, they had just signed Chip and Joanna Gaines uh, to the show Fixer Upper. They hadn't even piloted them yet. So they sign us and they have Chip and Joanna Gaines for Fixer Upper. They have the Benham families for Flip It Forward. These were the two shows they threw all their money into. As a matter of fact, they bypassed a pilot for us. They said, no pilot, we're going straight to series. Wow. So it was really exciting things, Daniel. And, and now here we are, we have this massive platform and all this money is flowing into us. They're paying us a ton of money, endorsements and all these other things start get being, uh, you know, worked on in the background. And we're like, I can't believe this is really going to happen. And that's when we were five weeks into a 10 week film shoot. All of the activist groups that do not like our faith, they don't like our values. And, and now we realize they don't like American values at all. It's not just Christian values. They hate America. 
They want to destroy. What does the devil do? He robs, he kills, and, to, and he destroys. Some people look at what's happening in America morally and spiritually, and they're like, this is insane. Well, of course, it's because it's being operated. This agenda is being operated by a spiritual force of darkness that most of those being you know, part of it don't even realize they're operating in these spiritual forces. And so Jason and I were five weeks in and the general manager calls us and she was literally crying on the phone. This is the GM of HG dadgum TV. She's crying and she goes, I can't believe this is happening to you, but these activist groups will not leave us alone. And it was at that point that Jason and I said to her and to the other executives that were on the call, there is a targeted agenda against people of faith. And we're not going to back down. We're, we're not beating people over the head with the Bible. We're actually living out our faith. And, and they said, well, they're coming after us. So they started going after HG when they knew we wouldn't bow. They started targeting HGTV. We end up getting fired. And of course, we wrote a book about it called Whatever the Cost. It became a bestseller. It was exciting. But Jason and I, as we traveled and started spending time speaking to business leaders and speaking to church leaders and just speaking to every average everyday Americans, we realized people are being gripped with fear. They're being gripped with fear that they're going to lose relationships or they're going to be smeared on social media or they may lose their job. We were cancel culture before it became a hashtag. Now, Daniel, cancel culture is just it. It's what happens. Um, judges get tossed from their seats. Uh, doctors are, they remove their, they get their hospital admitting privileges revoked. I mean, uh, it's gone up. Now it's not just bakers and florists and photographers. Now it's, it's a buddy of ours here at one of the largest bank here in our city. Uh, he was canned because he wouldn't participate in the gay pride event. And they fired him and then paid him $270,000 hush money that he wouldn't talk about it. I said, take, he, he said, David, what should I do? I said, take the money and let me talk about it. <laughs> but, but well, guys, we find- this is incredible. And uh, if I may just interject a question yeah. here, because uh, going back to some of the things that Jason was saying and how you all were watching your father in those early days when you were younger and how he modeled Christ-like character while under pressure, while under persecution. Um, How did you take the lessons of your father and apply them to your own situation? Well, you know, there's a great scripture, Proverbs 22, 6, uh, that says, train up a child in the way he should go, and in the end, he won't depart from it. And that Hebrew phrase for train up means to touch the palate of. And what the Hebrew moms used to do back in the day was they would take up vegetables and they would put it in their mouths and they would chew it up real fine. Then they'd take a little piece of it out of their mouth, put it on the tip of their finger and touch the palate of their baby with that food. And then it would end up uh, kicking in the salivary glands and that baby would start to crave the food that was placed in their mouth. That's the idea of touching the palate. So David and I like to say that leadership is the ability to create an appetite in those who follow you. So seeing our dad's example created an appetite in us to do the same thing, but it wasn't just standing bold. It was the foundation for standing bold. See, standing bold is all about height and breadth. You know, it's like a tree that stands in a hurricane and it does not crash down. But what you don't see is the root system that's keeping it from crashing down. So our dad's root system was every morning that we would wake up. Before school, we'd see him either reading his Bible on a little green stool in our kitchen, or he was on his knees in front of our brown couch in the living room praying. It was always one of those two things. 
So he showed us what roots look like. So David and I, at an early age, we're like, okay, well, we'll just do the same thing. So that's what we started. And by the time cancel culture came to us in 2014, we had, by God's grace, a very strong root system. That's why one of our initiatives with the Benham Brothers, if you go to BenhamBrothers.com, we're trying to get people into the scripture. You got to get in the scripture and you got to get alone with the Lord. And one of our primary uh, things that we teach entrepreneurs through our entrepreneur program at expertownership.com is you've got to recognize that listening prayer is what you need to do every single day and incorporate that into your business because your business partner, who is God, he's the majority partner, your business partner wants to speak to you and he's going to give you the downloads that you need. So when David and I were going through this time where we were we were, you know, getting fired in front of a watching world, number one story on Facebook for one day in 2014. We never thought that would happen, but it happened not because of something cool we did, but because we, we literally were undergoing Matthew five type persecution and we didn't fall. And we just give that, we give the credit to our root system. Now we had times before that, all you got to do is read our book and you'll realize how cowardly we really were. We, we oftentimes wanted to keep quiet, but there was something in us, like Jeremiah says, your word is, a, is like a fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in. There were points where we wanted to keep it quiet, but we just couldn't. We couldn't stop standing on, on biblical values and biblical principles in our business, in our life, and in culture. And that ultimately is what got us in trouble. But our dad's example showed us what to do when trouble comes yeah. through. So David, back to you, uh, how are you taking that and now passing it on to your children as they're observing you and what you're going through? I would love to just get some feedback on that point. Yeah, well, uh, you know, nobody's perfect and I'm doing my dead level best, but I'm in the word. My kids know I'm in the word and we talk about the word around uh, the dinner table and uh, each of my kids, by God's grace, are on the daily Bible reading plan. And at least they say they're on the Bible reading plan. But I tell them, if you miss a day, it's okay. This isn't some legalism thing. This is just a relationship. You we'll know? just remove your index finger. If just you miss a day, just that's one all. finger. That's all. Just still got one. nine more. No, but I mean, it's really getting into the word of God because it, it's, it's living and active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, it's the living word of God. And it, it really does transform and change you. Now, of course, there's the anchor activities of going to church and being involved in, uh, you know, some of the church ministry type stuff. But I try my best to let them know we actually don't go, quote unquote, to church. You are the church. That's good. We don't have to go, quote unquote, witnessing. You do witness on like that's just part of your daily rhythm and routine. Right. So, uh, you know, and that your mission field is like the mission field is not somewhere overseas, although that is a mission field. Your mission field is at the school or your mission field is homeschool or where it's at the park or it's at the gym or it's at the grocery store, or wherever we are, that's your mission field. So constantly pouring these things into them. And then hopefully uh, when the heat turns up, as it did specifically in that HGTV story, they were all watching. They all knew the money that was coming. They all saw the cameras in our homes. They all saw the magazines that were coming to interview me and Jason and all this other stuff before we got fired. And they all realized, wow, this is going to cost dad a lot of money, you know, and well, good grief. He's not backing down. They're asking him on CNN. Chris Cuomo's show was like, do you guys want to apologize? And we said, apologize for what? For agreeing with the designer that his design works? Like, I don't buy a pickup truck and, and uh, put gas where the oil's supposed to go. 
right? I mean, I, 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 and it's not intolerant of the engineers of my Ford pickup truck to write an owner's manual and says, if you want to make this thing work, you ought to abide by the owner's manual. Well, in the same way with creation in the scripture, it's not bigoted and intolerant for me to agree that, you know what, what scripture says is right. And we're going to do it God's way because we want to flourish. So we refuse to back down. We refuse to apologize. And we refuse to cower and capitulate, unfortunately, like a lot of Christian leaders will do today, because their income, their image, and their influence matters more to them than standing for truth. Now, Dave, remember, David and I did struggle with some fear. We're not just these bold guys that are like, hey, you need to do what we did. No, go read our book, whatever the cost. You'll see how we actually did cave into some fears, and God yep. had to rebuke us and bring somebody to come into our lives to rebuke us for that. But yeah. then once you recognize what a sissy you are, it's at that point, then you let the Holy Spirit take over and you're like, all right, I'm going to stand. That's right. Now, I would really love to just uh, take this a step further because I really appreciate how both of you are being so vulnerable uh, and you're letting everybody know, hey, we did some things right. We did some things we wish we could do differently, but all in all, God has used it to bring you to where you are right now. And I would love to just have you speak into uh, maybe some practical things that you guys have done to protect and guard your heart. You know, the Bible talks about guarding your heart for from it come the wellsprings of life. And you've had every opportunity to be offended. You've had every opportunity to be angry, every opportunity to be resentful and to have unforgiveness towards your persecutors. So what have you done? What are some practical things you continue to do to keep your heart right before God? Well, first, I mean, obviously walking in humility is a very important thing. You know, humility, as Andy Stanley says, is seeing yourself through the grid of who God is and who you are in relation to him. So that private time alone with the Lord where nobody else is uninterrupted time, like not just doing a typical Devo, but literally getting alone with the Lord and listening to him in prayer. Because when you listen, and you're alone, and you're opening it up, and you're saying, God, I surrender to you. What do you want to speak to me? 99% of the time, it starts with conviction. Like, he's going to convict you of something first. You're yeah. going to have to get that right, and then he's going to start speaking to you. Mm -hmm. Well, that will really help you see people the way that God sees people. You know, and then I would say on the, on the other front that keeps us from from folding right now or anything like that, we always remember that there's three steps to a vision. There's the birth of a vision, there's the death of the vision, and then there's the fulfillment of the vision. Only when the vision is fulfilled, it might look different than the original birth. So what happens is, is that people today in America, because by and large, most of us have never had to pay a price for our faith, which was true for us before the HGTV thing came along. I mean, we're American Christians. What price do we have to pay? I mean, everything is great, right? Well, so we have dreams and we're told, follow your dreams. Well, what happens if God doesn't want you to follow that dream? So we say the first thing that you have to do is you have to have a vision in your life, in your, in your mind of what you want to accomplish with your, with your life, with, with God, and then die to it. Like if God doesn't want you to be someone who writes books and travels the world speaking or whatever, if God doesn't want you owning a company, if God doesn't want you in the NBA or, or have to be a pastor over a church, die to that. And then he'll resurrect it as he sees fit. And when he resurrects it, you'll have a calmness about you, a peace. Like David and I right now, if we walk through any mall or any uh, airport right now, chances are good. We're going to see Chip and Joanna Gaines on the cover of some type of magazine, right? We remember with HGTV how they were talking about elevating us like that. 
So I could easily see that and feel envious. I could feel like, God, why didn't we get that? Because now their platform is so much bigger than ours. And yet God is, it's like he's a coach saying, I'll put you in the game when I want to put you in the game and I'll pull you when I want to pull you. You just stay there and keep the jersey on. That's it. So that really helps us, you know, as we continue to move forward in life. Yeah, David. Oh, uh, well, I figured Jason was going to finish that one, and he obviously did not do a great job. I did an awesome job. He did a horrible job. I'm just saying it was it was was like (laughs) I'm going to edit that whole part out and just that's right. You know, that was just not great. Awful. Truly, it's 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 time with the Lord. And there are two specific stories in Scripture when the donkey carried Jesus into Jerusalem and everybody's laying their cloaks down in the palm branches shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can you imagine the donkey raising his head saying I've arrived, right? It it was the one he was carrying. So my brother and I have to see ourselves in light of who Christ is in us. Um, You know, and secondly, John the Baptist, uh, when he saw Christ, it was very interesting because, I mean, here is the super uber famous guy, John the Baptist, with followers and all this. So he would be like the Instagram influencer. He's the big dog, you know, and he's got all these followers. And when he saw Christ, he said, I must decrease and he must increase. Then Jesus goes even further and tells us in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, and he, he says, don't, don't practice your righteousness before others to be praised by them. But what you do, do it in secret. That, those three things are the complete opposite of what our culture teaches today. But having time in the word of God, starting when we went to Liberty at 18, we started reading through the whole Bible. And every year we've been doing that. Um, you can't help if you really read it and think about it and, and, and listen and pay attention to it. You can't help but like, wow, I must decrease, right? Even if God's going to give you a platform or God's going to bless you supernaturally, you still then have to decrease in terms of taking the glory. You just deflect the glory back to the Lord. And we don't always do that. We try to. As a matter of fact, you know, we had a, um, a branding company working with us about two years ago and because we were launching this online coaching initiative. And then after about, you know, three or four months, I was looking at the posts and stuff and I was like, ah, it's just too much. It's too much of us. You know, like I want to promote the material. And yes, there is a level where, you know, God uses us as twins and stuff like that. But I don't want to just sit there and look off into the middle distance and some smoldering stare. It's like, cut that junk out. I can't read the Bible and take myself seriously. Right. So. The, the scripture really is, it is a hammer for us. And, and unfortunately, in today's seeker-friendly culture in the church, we don't see it as that. We see it as more like we've taken the warning label off the Bible and we put a party invitation on it. Well, if, if, if you, dad would always say when we were kids, if you love Jesus for what he gives you, you'll hate him for what he takes from you. Wow. So we really do love him for who he is, not just for what he gives us. He gave us that platform, but then he took it. And we don't hate him because we love him for who he is and we trust him. Yeah. You know, I'm going to give you guys the last word and, and really the direction I'd love for you to speak into is this idea of the platform and what you just said there, God took it from you. And, and just listening to your story, uh, it was like he gave you these gifts and skills physically. You had this physicality to play on a professional level. That is an incredibly rare gift and you're being elevated And then all of a sudden, God says, that's not the platform I want you on. And then you go through a different path and you're becoming successful. And the HDTV situation, 
that's not the platform I want you on. And so you have gone on quite the journey and yet you are on a very influential platform to speak into lives of Christians, especially Christian leaders. And I think uh, so oftentimes we have elevated the platform, but not really talked about the character that it requires to uphold the platform. And that's why we see so many uh, moral failures and so on and so forth. What would you say to the leader today who has been so focused on the platform, so focused on the influence, so focused on the social media, so focused on their name, their book, their agenda, their, you know, help them to understand it's not about the platform, but it's about what you're becoming, what Christ is doing in yeah. you. Uh, let's throw it to Jason and uh, yeah. then we'll have David give us the last word. Okay. So your platform is not a stage for you to stand on. It's an altar for you to burn on. If you see your platform as an altar in which you are to be a living sacrifice, then you're not trying to hold on to it. Remember, because if you're on an altar and you're burning, you want to get off that sucker, right? And God would say, no, 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 you're going to burn on it. Like, stay there. I've given you that platform. Stay on it. What we have to recognize is we have a tendency to go after the platform rather than the person who's supposed to give it to us. And when you do that, you're now enslaved by that very platform that you're going after or that platform that you already have. I mean, how many of us have been in, uh, have seen pastors who have the answers to what's going on in culture today in terms of sexuality and sexual identity, in terms of gender expression, in terms of abortion and race and BLM and all pastors, spiritual leaders are the biggest and brightest communicators of our day. And how many of them won't even talk about that stuff? Why? Because you're enslaved to your platform that your platform mm. is more important to you now than the person who gave it to you in the first place. And when that happens, that platform has now become your mm. idol. What David and I would say is confess that, confess yes. it as sin, give it up, and you keep your focus on the person of God, not that platform that you don't want to lose. And when you do that, you'll treat your platform like an altar. You will no longer treat your platform like a stage. I would yeah. say two things specifically. Wow. Um, number one, I would tell everybody, especially these influencers, read Haggai chapter one. The prophet Haggai spoke to the people of God and said, is now a time to live in paneled houses while the house of the Lord lies desolate and in ruins. Then he says, repent, go up into the hills, gather the wood and rebuild the house of the Lord. That is crucial. And then if you read Jeremiah chapter 45, Jeremiah told his assistant Baruch, he said, Baruch, is now a time to seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them. See, this is, we are living in, in the American church, we are living in the paneled houses. We are seeking great things for ourselves, all in the quote, name of ministry. When the image of God when it comes to marriage is being distorted, the truths of God, when it comes to our gender or when it comes to the color of our skin or when it comes to what does true biblical justice look like, when it's being distorted in the media and literally it's like the temple of God, which is us humans, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When that is being distorted and identity is being stripped from our kids and our school systems, we are throwing out creation, teaching them evolution. And yet, we're totally content as pastors and as leaders and as influencers to live in our big houses, to have our big events, to have my massive following, and yet I don't use it 
to do what Ephesians chapter 5 says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Why do we expose the darkness? Well, first of all, how do we do it? We shine the light and we do it because the knowledge of the truth is what sets the captive free. And I'm telling you right now, Daniel Day, when people are sick, they need a doctor, but when they are captive, they need a warrior. And right now, our nation and our next generation is being held captive by vain ideologies, mm-hmm. vain educational systems, by, un, by ungodly influences through Hollywood and through social media and through music. And ungodliness is, being, is gripping them. And we, as the men and women of God, have a responsibility to speak the truth. It may be unpopular. doesn't matter. We're speaking the truth that sets them free. So we need to repent, ask God for strength, face our fear, and speak the truth. Guys, thank you so much. This has been incredibly meaningful. I do want to say, David, a few times in this talk, you made your brother yawn very big. He did. He he yawned so much. You were preaching so well, and yet, Jason, I want you to know, David David did not yawn one time at you, Jason. I know. Not I kept him riveted. I kept you know, him I just want you guys to know for real, though, this has been a wonderful time. And what you both have said has been spot on uh, nail on the head uh, stuff that I think we all really need to take to heart. Um, I'm going to ask you, David, to close us in prayer the way uh, you began. Jason, I'm going to ask you not to yawn during prayer. It's disrespectful. Amen. You know, um, (laughs) but uh, but no, seriously, there's a lot of people watching this that I'm sure have been encouraged, maybe some convicted. I know there's been many things you've said that have spoken directly to my heart. And God is saying uh, to use whatever platform or opportunities you have, uh, whether it be in the marketplace or in the church or anywhere uh, to be that light. And this is the time for the church to stand up and be courageous. And so. Uh, on that note, David, please just yes. pray for our listeners and ask God's blessing yes. on them. Well, Lord, uh, we just gather before you now. We bow our heads and we pause. And I'm reminded of Acts 4.29 when Peter and John prayed, Now, Lord, take note of their threats mm. and grant that your servants may speak your word with great boldness. Lord, they didn't pray their way out of the mess. They prayed for boldness in the midst of it. And so, Lord, I pray, give us that boldness. And Lord, we know as the rest of that chapter shows, the Holy Spirit filled them, the place was shaken, and they spoke your word with boldness. So God, give that to us. Holy Spirit, fill us in the mighty name of Jesus and bless Daniel and his show. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray that this would grow. I pray that uh, the distribution would extend beyond what he could ever ask or imagine, that he might honor you, that this might be a great testimony as to your provision for your kids when they do your work. So we love you. We give you all the glory in Jesus name. Amen. 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 And amen. Hey guys, before we go, what's the website? What's the best place they can find your material and connect with you? Uh, best place is probably benhambrothers.com. Uh, if you're a faith-filled entrepreneur, go to expertownership.com. But we're, we're easy to find. Socials at Benham Brothers. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for your time. I pray God's blessings over your life and all your efforts and your family. I pray 2022 is going to be the best year ever for you. And uh, again, just thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, man. Bless you, bro. Take care.